add things in. First of all, when Shrouder resists, Fergus gets intrigued. He just... He puppets Shrouder again and gets him to go to, like, right outside this area that terrifies him so much. And, um... I think it would be interesting if he brought the uh, telepath with him, the cetacean person. That's the word for whale-like, right? Um, so they can have a psychic conversation while they're going over there. Um, I figure Fergus was just too distracted to stop and notice that this person is psychic. But now that he's paying attention, he's fascinated. So he's asking simple human questions. Tell me about your world. Are... He would be like, Are you uh, unusual for your kind? Your, your mind? Or is it and then he stops, not going to ask leading questions if he can help it. The idea of a psychic species is very, very interesting to him. But he's also curious, like, why this person would want to help him. He says, um, at some point, he says... The... What I didn't share in rehearsal is that the entire performance was a rejection of something that was shown to me. A, a future that its majesty has not denied. In that future, I was a tyrant... I crushed my homeworld beneath my heel, so to speak, and I, why would anyone take, um, he'll trail off like that, see if the other person will compassionately interrupt or not, but once they're outside, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that what he would do is, like, get Shrouder to take him to this spot, to his son's, I don't know if he has, like, a fortress or a lair, or uh, there's some area that he controls, apparently, and people don't go in there. So he's going to get right up to the border of that, him and the uh, whale man. And once they get there, he just sort of abruptly lets Shrouder go. Um, he's been suppressing his, his memory and his consciousness while they've made this journey, so Shrouder remembers, no way, I'm not going to do that, and then he's right there on the doorstep of it, and Fergus just lets him go there. Whatever that area is, they're going to study it for a while. And here's an idea. If the setting if the situation permits. 
Fergus is going to turn to... Fergus is going to turn to the whale man and say, I... I've always believed, not rationally, but uh, I've always wondered if two minds like ours might um, be greater than the sum of their parts. I would, would like to try something if you would indulge me. Now that I know you and I are not so dissimilar, I, I, I will not make a puppet of you again. I wouldn't feel right about it. If, if you will help me, all I ask is that we combine our efforts and project a message. And he points to the interior of where his son is. Into there. So if the guy agrees, then Fergus wants to very slowly and deliberately sort of feel out their telepathic contact together, see if they can sort of build some bridge between the two of them, and see if they can both together telepathically broadcast. Well, not even broadcast. Wants to just send it in toward where he thinks his son is. He, he really only wants his son to hear it. Um, but he's not necessarily... Like, there's, he's never tried this before, so he has no idea what kind of control is possible here. Like, how subtle or nuanced it can be. But the message that he wants to send is, You're not mine. <laughs> Which is so fucked up, I have to chuckle. Um, I mean, that's what Fergus believes, though. He's just like, this is a cosmic mistake. Future is fucking with me. Future, like, isolated the timeline where this kid happened. And, you know, like, seized onto that and brought him here. But he's like, me, personally, I already fucking dealt with this. And this is not real. This, this is, like, I'm not the guy. That's what he thinks. So, anyway... He's going to try sending that out, and then he'll go, well, thank you for, um, thank you for being willing to help me. So few people are. I understand this fellow has a terrible reputation. Perhaps we should go. So he's going to sort of escort Whaleman back to somewhere that he, Whaleman, feels safe. Then he'll go on that little flight that you described. I think he'd be interested in that other city. You just go check it out, but he's kind of waiting to hear what Future thinks. And in the meantime, he's going to wander around and see who all he can meet. He's going to sort of cultivate this acquaintanceship with this psychic guy. And he's going to sort of very, very slowly and subtly put out into the world, this guy who thinks he's my son is not my son. He's fucking nuts. He's from another timeline. I'm literally not the guy. Fuck that shit. Okay, so... 
we're going to and rewind to your situation and and everything so eventually we may get to the the city and the mountain and and all that but more important things first so you're talking to the the well-being and they let you know that their name is Horiru Ru Horiru Ru it's very you know you you hear it in your mind as much as you kind of hear them sing it in their well tones kind of mixed in that so um we'll just call him Rue for short uh he when you ask him if if he's an aberration of his kind says In more ways than one, many of my kind are predators. I am... My people are few, but all of my kind can project their thoughts. But I am an aberration in that I can pick up the thoughts of others that are presented much like you did. When you were engrossed in your writing, you projected the thoughts of why you were writing what you were. And he raises his hand, he says, I was not intruding upon your mind. You are, your mind is much too guarded for that, but you were unconsciously allowing thoughts to slip out as you were writing. And these are what I observed. This is why I empathize with you. I too thought that I let's see now he says I too thought that since I was able to read the minds of my fellows that I could help guide them for all of them had secret desires wishes ambitions that many would not face I simply sought to bring them truth, and for this I was shunned, cast out. But still, this gave me a sense of transparency. Many thought that I was gone when I was still there in the shadows hiding in the low tide. This is why I want to assist you, that you may 
continue upon your path. Much like I was unable to. So, you know, you can, you can ask continued questions from him, but he gives you a, a general basis as to why he's helping you out and a little bit of his backstory. And you got kind of a, a general glimpse at this, but you were too invested in your in writing your play and, and, and getting it done and running everybody through practices. And Rue's eyes shift from you to the structure that you're walking to and back and forth periodically. And they seem to be taking strength in your presence um, that you you seem powerful enough or that you've uh, stood up to your general son the way nobody else seems to have at least that you've experienced so uh, yeah you're you're bolstering Rue's confidence and the building you come up to is gargantuan. I don't know if you've ever uh, read Judge Dredd or watched the, the Carl Urban version, not the Sylvester Stallone. That was awful. But where there's these, you know, the, the mega cities, but they also have these building structures that are almost small cities unto themselves, you know, that take up what we know as, you know, just blocks and blocks and blocks. And, you know, they're 200, 300 stories tall and, you know, has the, the, the populace inside kind of has their own, you know, neighborhood slang style, everything like that. Um, that's what one of these buildings, that's what this building kind of looks like. It's simple, but elegant. It's got these, you know, beveled edges um, and just enough detail to make it interesting without going overboard. Um, you know, lots of ins and outs and balconies and everything, but everything seems defensible or protected in some sense you kind of get a feeling actually you look at it and, and this metal is unfamiliar to you it's got a silver sheen to it it's also got this uh, dull black color kind of almost like obsidian like so it's kind of this weird mix of like stone and metal very very odd so you ask Rue about 
the, the possibility of combining your powers and sending them directly to your son and when you focus on him you focus on the, the image of him and Rue is not as powerful as you are but he seems more practiced so he kind of gives you a, a focus a, a boost to your power you know he's the he's the amp and you project the thought out of you're not mine and just straight in front of your face there there he is you know and you've you're you're communicating at the speed of thought so even in that instant you still get out the you know i'm from a different time this is some joke or you know you think the i'm from a different timeline you're from a variation of a timeline and everything and he just appears in front of you and he's got this snarl kind of grimace on his face very animalistic Oh, Daddy, if only that was the case. See, I don't think you've been paying attention. Your future, my past. <sighs> Me traveling to you intertwined our times, and there's no variation. My present when I traveled back to my past to your present to stop you oh that that was my mistake that was my miscalculation because then and then it made my past my present and future He just leans back and closes his eyes. You just see pain, like long bared, inevitable, inescapable pain on his face. And he's leaned back and has his eyes closed. And then he looks at you and the, the look is just gone. And again, it's that smarmy impossible to read but still there's that animal behind his eyes it's just like you can deny me all you want daddy but me thinks you doth protest too much <sighs> oh daddy daddy Can't you handle your own mistakes? You're so good at pointing others out, of fixing other problems, but you can never seem to handle your own. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yes. Mummy mm. thought the same. Oh, if only mommy were here. <laughs>